1: That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to
2: 500-500. Tonight, the president addresses the nation. As we come on the air, the White House says it has conducted a successful and significant counterterrorism operation against Al Qaeda in Afghanistan. Who was Ayman al-Zwahiri? One of the men behind the 9-11 terror attacks killed in a drone strike. Kentucky braces for more rain with hundreds still missing. Authorities scour the wreckage for survivors as we're learning about some of the victims, including these four siblings. And in the West, California experiences its largest fire of the year. Firefighters battle on three fronts, the flames, hot weather, and high winds. I knew the house was gone. Tonight, the view from space of the path carved by the flames. America and China's Taiwan face-off. Tonight, tensions escalate ahead of Speaker Nancy Pelosi's possible trip to the self-governing island. CBS's Adam Yamaguchi is there tonight as war games are underway. The fact that we're
3: seeing an amphibious assault suggests that the Taiwanese believe that the Chinese are going to try and take some of the outlying islands in the South China Sea and in
2: Taiwan Strait. Another supply chain logjam? The warning tonight from the nation's busiest port terrifying shark encounters, the frightening scene in Florida that had swimmers racing to shore, and we remember the life and careers of two American icons and the legacy they've left behind.
4: This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital.
2: Good evening and thank you for joining us. I'm John Dickerson, in for Nora. Tonight, we are awaiting President Biden, who will speak within the hour about what's being described as a successful counterterrorism strike. A senior administration official tells CBS News that the U.S. killed top al-Qaeda leader Ayman al-Zwahiri over the weekend. This would be a significant blow to the terror group, and his death means that all of the top plotters behind the September 11 terror attacks are either dead or captured. Al-Zawahiri took over as the leader of al-Qaeda following the 2011 raid that killed Osama bin Laden. We want to bring in CBS's Nancy Cordes at the White House with the freshest details. Good evening, Nancy.
5: Good evening, John. We are going to be briefed by senior administration officials about this operation shortly. But here's what I can tell you right now. CBS News has confirmed that the de facto leader of al-Qaeda, Ayman al-Zawahiri, was targeted and killed in an unmanned CIA drone strike over the weekend in Afghanistan. Senior officials say the operation was successful and that there were no civilian casualties. Now here's why this is so significant. Ayman al-Zawahiri has been the leader of Al Qaeda for more than a decade, ever since Osama bin Laden was killed by U.S. Navy SEALs in Pakistan in 2011. But even before he took over, al-Zawahiri helped to plan the 9-11 attack and other terror attacks on Americans. He was 71 years old. He was born into a prominent Egyptian family. He became a practicing doctor. And one of the last times he was seen on video was last September 11th. But even then, it was unclear if the recording was new or old, and there were rumors for years that perhaps he had died. The U.S. was even offering $25 million for information that could lead to his apprehension. But now this operation comes nearly one year since the last U. S forces and diplomats left Afghanistan. You'll recall they had to pull out in a very chaotic fashion earlier than they had expected because of the Taliban advancing on Kabul so quickly and the toppling of the Afghan government and the Afghan military. Tonight when the president addresses the nation, he is likely to argue that this operation is proof that the U.S. still can conduct counterterrorism operations in Afghanistan even now that troops have left. The Taliban, as you can imagine, John, not happy about any of this. A Taliban spokesman said, quote, the Islamic Emirate of Afghanistan tro- strongly condemns this attack on any pretext and calls it a clear violation of international principles and the Doha agreement. Taliban officials say that the strike took place in a residential neighborhood in Kabul, but we are still awaiting confirmation of that from U.S. officials. We want to know more about exactly where and how this operation was pulled off, John.
2: Nancy Cordes with the latest. Thanks, Nancy. For more on what this means for the U.S. on the ongoing war on terrorism, let's bring in CBS News senior national security contributor and the former acting director at the CIA, Michael Morrell. Mike, how significant significant is this in the course of history and in terms of terrorism right now?
6: Um, John, from a historical perspective, this is very significant. Zawahiri was uh, one of the individuals behind the 9-11 attacks. Um, So this is another significant blow, right, to those individuals who uh, attacked us um, more than 20 years ago. Um, From a current-day perspective, this is the leader of one of the two largest terrorist organizations on the planet, al-Qaeda, the other being ISIS. Um, So while they don't pose the same threat that they posed, say, a decade ago or 20 years ago, um, this does uh, take a leader off the battlefield and— Will um, you know? Will to some degree disrupt that organization and force them to come up with new leadership.
2: And what does this tell us about the relationship between the Taliban and Al Qaeda?
6: So this may be the most interesting, uh, the most interesting point here, right? He was in Kabul. Um, He was he was evidently at a a, you know a significant um, kind of housing complex. So it. For me, it underscores that the relationship between the Taliban and al-Qaeda continues, right, despite some of the arguments that were made a year ago that the Taliban was willing to split with, with al-Qaeda. This shows that that relationship remains tight, and it shows that we need to continue to focus on, on Afghanistan going forward from a counterterrorism perspective.
2: Michael Morrell, thank you. And we will bring you the president's speech as a CBS News special report, report right here at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. So stick with us. We turn now to Kentucky, where the death toll stands at 37. But that number is expected to climb as hundreds of people remain unaccounted for following one of the worst flooding events in state history. More rain is in the forecast tonight for a community already devastated by the storms. Justin Michaels from our partners at the Weather Channel is on the ground in Kentucky. I can see her face.
4: Dramatic footage shows the moment 98-year-old grandmother, May Ambergy, was rescued by neighbors who fought fast-moving water to get her and others to safety. Her family from out of state, watching helpless. I knew
6: that they were very much in trouble. I did not know if my brother was alive for a while.
4: Today, search and rescue operations continued, and over the weekend, Governor Andy Bashir visited the areas most impacted by extreme flooding.
7: i to do a lot of things that are hard as governor, and that was certainly uh, one of the, the hardest.
4: With hundreds still unaccounted for, the death toll is expected to grow. Among the victims, children, including four from one family swept away from their parents, the youngest only 18 months old. SEARCH AND RESCUE TEAMS HAVE CONDUCTED MORE THAN 1,400 MISSIONS BY BOAT AND BY AIR. AUTHORITIES SAY IT COULD TAKE WEEKS TO FIND ALL THE MISSING AND RECOVER THEIR BODIES.
7: THERE ARE HUNDREDS OF UNACCOUNTED FOR PEOPLE, MINIMUM, AND WE JUST we just DON'T HAVE A FIRM GRASP ON THAT.
4: FAST-MOVING WATERS SWEPT THROUGH EASTERN KENTUCKY LAST WEEK, DESTROYING ROADS AND BRIDGES AND WIPING OUT ENTIRE COMMUNITIES, LEAVING MANY RESIDENTS WITH NOTHING. Jeremiah Fire Chief Wallace Bowling Jr. says his entire firehouse is destroyed. He spent 15 hours trapped on top of this rig, unable to communicate with anyone.
7: But I was trying to tell my mom, my dad, and my kids that you know if I never spoke to them. I loved them.
4: The bad news continues here in Kentucky. More rain forecast this evening. A flood watch goes in place at nine through nine o'clock tomorrow morning. And because this ground is so saturated, the water will have no place to go except downstream and eventually, potentially, and hopefully not, John, up. John, into you.
2: Thank you, Justin. From the floodwaters in Kentucky to the wildfires in Northern California, the McKinney Fire covers more than 80 square miles and is now the state's largest blaze this year.
8: CBS's Jonathan Vigliotti is near the front lines. The West is a tinderbox. The McKinney Fire is still burning out of control, mushrooming to more than 55,000 acres and responsible for at least two deaths. It traveled from the top of that ridge downhill in the space of maybe 15 minutes. It was just the most amazing terrifying thing you've ever seen the fire continues to rage near the california oregon border but as intense as the flames are on the ground and in the air the view from space is jaw-dropping this is the fire as night fell on saturday growing exponentially one couple died trying to escape when their car was overcome by flames in their driveway the fire exploded so quickly in this neighborhood it engulfed entire homes in a matter of minutes destroying everything in its path. Search and rescue teams are now going property to property, looking for anyone that's still missing. It's not just drought gripping the West, but also extreme heat. At least 14 deaths are being investigated in the Pacific Northwest, possibly related to record-setting temperatures. Redmond, Oregon has topped triple digits, seven days straight.
5: With climate change, we do expect to see more intense heat waves and more frequent heat waves.
8: Thunderstorms are now moving into the fire area in Northern California. The rain is helping firefighters, but dry lightning strikes could be disastrous.
5: I think the biggest thing for us to think about is how dry these conditions are. Every strike has a greater potential right now to start a fire.
8: Tonight, dozens of people are still unaccounted for, and the sheriff's office tells me it's their priority to now track down every lead. It's a difficult task when this is what's left of the homes they're pulling up to.
2: John. Jonathan Vigliotti. Thank you, Jonathan. Now to the rising tensions between the United States and China. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's expected visit to Taiwan is sparking outrage from Beijing, which called it a major provocation. Now China is flexing its military muscle ahead of the anticipated trip. CBS's Adam Yamaguchi is in Taiwan.
3: Across the narrow Taiwan Strait, it's a battle of drills. Taiwan just wrapped up a week of annual live-fire exercises. And China has responded in kind, increasing naval patrols, conducting live-fire drills, and releasing a highly produced propaganda video. China claims Taiwan, a self-governing island of 23 million people, as its own. And the anticipated visit of Speaker Pelosi is generating accusations that the U.S. supports Taiwanese sovereignty. If Speaker Pelosi visits Taiwan, said the Chinese foreign affairs spokesman, it would grossly interfere in China's internal affairs. He warned the Chinese military would never sit idly by. Pelosi is leading a congressional delegation to Asia, including a stop in Singapore today. Taiwan has never been on her official schedule, but Taiwanese news media are reporting she will arrive Tuesday evening. Against this political backdrop, Taiwan is getting prepared. The military exercises here included a mock amphibious invasion, insight into Taiwan's assessment of what a war with China might look like. The fact that we're seeing an amphibious assault suggests that the Taiwanese believe that the Chinese are going to try and take some of the outlying islands in the South China Sea and in Taiwan Strait, and this is Taiwan's effort to take them back. Civilians are taking precautions too learning life-saving skills as part of a volunteer emergency response team. The U.S. is bound by law to help Taiwan get the weapons it needs to defend itself. And the American military is now moving assets, including an aircraft carrier, in closer proximity to the island. John?
2: Adam Yamaguchi in Taiwan. A federal judge has sentenced a Texas man to the longest prison sentence so far related to the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. 49-year-old Guy Refit was sentenced to more than seven years after bringing a handgun to the Capitol as he confronted police during the attack. A member of the far-right militia group, the Texas Three Percenters, Refit was the first defendant to stand trial on charges stemming from the attack. Still ahead on tonight's CBS Evening News, could delays at America's busiest port derail the holiday shopping season? We'll be back in just 60 seconds. Tonight, just as retailers are starting to gear up for the holiday season, there are warnings of a possible nationwide shipping logjam. A shortage of rail workers is causing cargo to pile up once again at the Port of Los Angeles, a key link in the U.S. supply chain. CBS's Carter Evans is there.
7: Tis the season for ships packed with holiday gifts to start flooding America's ports. But the containers are already piling up, clogging the docks, waiting for trains to transport cargo across the country.
2: There are about 35,000 containers that are designated for rail on our docks right now. On a normal day, looks more like 9,000 units. L.A. Port Director
7: Gene Sirocco is sounding the alarm to prevent another scene like this. How long before we see a backup at sea again?
2: We've probably got another four to six weeks if we do nothing.
7: Over the last three years, railroads have lost 20% of their employees. A lot of that is because they cut their own workforce. It began when they tried to streamline operations with a practice called precision scheduled railroading, which sometimes uses shorter trains, according to analyst Ben Nolan. When you're hyper-efficient, you're ill-prepared for unexpected things like pandemics. So where are the bottlenecks right now? The bottlenecks right now are on that last mile. Union Pacific Operations VP Eric Geringer says his railroad has already hired hundreds of new employees.
3: We're handling that volume, resources beyond the railroad. That's where we need to see gains.
7: The rails move containers inland where merchandise is transferred and delivered, but with truck driver shortages and now a glut of goods arriving.
0: The warehouses are full. There's nowhere to, to
7: offload
2: the, uh, the goods. It all begins with the importer picking up their cargo inland a little bit faster than they've been doing.
7: Because if they don't pick it up inland, you can't move it out here. That's right. It's a fragile system, and it could all fall apart very quickly. Dock workers here have been working without a contract for a month, and rail workers say they're at a dead end after two years of negotiations. In fact, the White House just assembled a special team to help railroads avoid
2: a strike. John? Carter Evans, thank you. Up next, the investigation after a fiery crash kills seven people on a U.S. interstate. And an NFL quarterback accused of sexual misconduct is hit with a multi-game suspension. Tonight, police in Illinois are investigating a horrific car crash that left seven people dead, including five children. Police say a car going in the wrong direction on Interstate 90 north of Chicago slammed head-on into a van, killing six of its passengers. The 22-year-old driver of the car going the wrong way also died. Cleveland Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson was suspended today for the first six games of the season without pay after being accused by dozens of women of sexual misconduct. The punishment handed out by the game's disciplinary officer, former federal judge Sue Robinson, fell far short of the minimum full season suspension the NFL requested. Watson has publicly denied wrongdoing. Up next, Panic on the Beach, when two sharks are spotted in knee-deep water. The growing list of too-close-to-call shark sightings along the East Coast this summer now includes this chilling encounter over the weekend at Florida's Neptune Beach. People shouted at swimmers to get out of the water after two sharks were spotted close to shore. No one was hurt. When we come back, remembering two trailblazing Americans. Finally, tonight, we remember the life and careers of two American icons, NBA Hall of Famer Bill Russell and actress Nichelle Nichols. Beyond the basketball court and the small screen, their legacy of change lives on. Here's CBS's Jim Axelrod.
9: If you can't be what you can't see, then Bill Russell and Nichelle Nichols gave millions of Americans something special to look at. Russell, the man who won 11 NBA championships as the Boston Celtics Center in the 1950s and 60s, was also the first black head coach in the NBA.
2: I never felt
6: like I was making a contribution. I was just doing the best I could.
9: But his Presidential Medal of Freedom, awarded in 2011 by Barack Obama, recognized his work off the court as well as a civil rights activist who stood up for the rights and dignity of all men.
5: Captain, I'm picking up the alien signal again.
9: As Lieutenant Uhura in Star Trek, Nichols' role was a rarity. A black woman starring as an equal member of the crew of the USS Enterprise. Her kiss with William Shatner was one of the first interracial kisses on U.S. television at a time when the civil rights struggle was center
6: stage. There was a big concern that there would be a big fuss about that. Her
9: barrier-breaking was noted by Martin Luther King as the first non-stereotypical role portrayed by a black woman in television history. By broadening the range of who we might see when looking at our world, Nichelle Nichols and Bill Russell did nothing less than change our world. Jim Axelrod, CBS News, New York. And that's tonight's CBS
2: Evening News. For Nora O'Donnell, I'm John Dickerson in the nation's capital. Good night.
0: If you like the CBS Evening News, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas,
4: Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage.